0: Hey everyone, thanks so much for allowing us to join you again this week. We are continuing on in our series entitled The Bible Doesn't Say That. For the last couple of weeks we've looked at phrases like God will never give you more than you can handle and God helps those who help themselves. Those are expressions that sound like they come from the Bible, but they're not found in the Bible anywhere. Well, today we're going to look at another expression that people say all the time and attribute to the Bible. Money is the root of all evil. And it's pretty close to an actual Bible verse, but it's just misquoted. It's kind of like a misheard lyric, because when you mishear a lyric, it changes the whole meaning of the song. I mean, to give you an example, when I was in high school, Fleetwood Mac came out with a song called Dreams, and it was a number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 on the radio all the time. And the chorus of that song says that thunder only happens when it's raining and players only love you when they're playing and women, they will come and they will go. And then what I heard Stevie Nicks sing next was this, and when the rain washes, you clean your nose. I mean, you see if that's not what she says. I'll play it for you. Starting with the line before it. Women, they will come and they will go. And then here's the line. Your nose. And I really thought that's what it said for years until somebody pointed out to me that I had misheard it completely. What she was actually singing was this that when the rain washes, you clean, you'll know. Oh, well, that had nothing to do with dirt in my nostrils or her nostrils. And You know, people say, "How could you mishear that?" I go, "Well, I don't know. I thought maybe there was a lot of smog in Los Angeles or wherever it was they recorded this. And when they rained, when it rained, they all washed their nose. I I didn't know." Well, today, when we talk about the expression "money is the root of all evil," it's pretty close to a real Bible verse from Second Timothy or from First Timothy, chapter six, verse ten. And that verse actually says this: that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Well that's different because if we say that money is the root of evil, of all evil, well that means the more money you have the more evil you'll become. And if you go bankrupt and lose all your money you become a saint. And if that doesn't make sense to you it shouldn't make sense to you because that's not what the Bible says. So today we're gonna look at what it actually says about the love of money and how that causes all kinds of problems in our lives if we get carried away with greed I'm going to talk with you about that today let me have a word of prayer for us first Heavenly Father I thank you for today I thank you for your word it guides us in all matters of faith and practice Lord how we're supposed to handle money and how we're supposed to act toward money and so father I just pray that you will speak and move me out of the way and encourage us today thank you for your word to guide us help us understand what it truly says In the name of Jesus, we pray these things together. Amen. Well, it's really important for us to know what the Bible actually says. That's why at Centerpoint, one of our guiding uh, statements and our statements, statements of belief is this, that the Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. If we follow the teaching of the Bible, we'll know how to live. We'll know how to have the abundant life that Christ promised his followers. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul said, all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it, the Bible, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. If I want to be prepared to do everything that God wants me to do, no better place to turn than the Bible. It's our compass. It shows us the way we need to live. And so it's important we know what it actually says. It's also important because If we misquote the Bible, we can easily fall into error or deception. And when Peter wrote about this, here's what he said. He was talking about Paul's writings. He said, "...some of Paul's comments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant or unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And this will result in their destruction. So be on guard, and then you'll not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing." Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can get into terrible error and we can be misled by people who are trying to take advantage of us in some way if we listen to people who intentionally misquote the scripture. And some people do. Uh, There are a lot of cults that form. There are a lot of people with strange teachings. And sometimes they can gather a big following. And that ends in disaster. And that's why it's important in order to protect ourselves from false teaching to read the Bible every day and to apply it to our lives so we have sound teaching and we know what the Bible actually says. So with that in mind, let's talk about this expression, money's the root of all evil. And remember, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. In fact, let me start with 1 Timothy 6, a couple of verses earlier. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation, And a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. I mean, if I am hungry for money and greedy to always have more, I open up myself to unbelievable amounts of temptation and all kinds of problems and heartache. That's what the Bible actually says. And it makes sense too, because all of us know people who've done this. They've gotten a promotion or they're chasing after more money. Uh, Oh man, there are unintended consequences that catch up with them. Here are a couple of reasons why this is so important to understand. First of all, loving money can make us prideful. I mean, if we accumulate lots and lots of wealth, well, we can begin to think that this is all ours and we did it all with our own strength and we'll be able to keep it forever. But Jesus said, don't be fooled. That's not the way it is. In fact, In Luke 12, he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life isn't measured by how much you own. And then he told his disciples a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops, and he said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, You've stored enough away for years to come. Now take it easy and eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you'll die this very night. And then who's going to get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And Jesus warned against this. He said, you know, in this story, the guy's talking about my wealth and my barns, and then I'll take it easy because this is my plan for me. And the scripture over and over again reminds us that, no, when we have wealth that's been entrusted to us, it's given to us so we can be stewards of it. Because money isn't evil or good. Money is a tool that we can use. In fact, here's a life application for us today. We'll experience great joy when we see ourselves as stewards or managers of God's resources. However much money He's given us, He expects us to make the most of it. What this really means is that we allow God's blessings to flow through us instead of just to us and stop there. I mean, He wants us to pass blessings on. If we've received wealth, then maybe we can help others with that wealth. If we've received great instruction, then we need to instruct others. If we've received resources or talents, how do we share those things? When uh, Paul was writing to Timothy again in 1 Timothy 6, he said, "'Teach those who are rich in this world.'" Not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those who are in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. True life, both in this world and life to come. Because God is generous. And when we share the resources that he's given us and we are generous with others, we're identifying with the one who made us. And it pleases him so much when we manage his resources well. So one reason that loving money is a root of all kinds of evil is because loving money can make us prideful. A second reason that it can be a root for all kinds of evil is because loving money makes us dissatisfied. Listen to Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived and the wealthiest man in the world at the time he wrote this. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And this, too, is meaningless. I mean, it's one of the ironies of chasing wealth. You never have enough. You always want more. A number of years ago, a young couple came to see me, and they were having marriage problems, and it surprised me because I had done their premarital counseling, and they'd had a great relationship. And so I asked them, well, what had happened that had caused so much friction between them? And the wife with her arms crossed said, well, he went and bought that boat. He was an avid water skier, and he bought a top-of-the-line ski boat, and it stretched their finances thin, but they were able to make the monthly payments, and they could go out to the lake and ski together, and they really enjoyed it. And that wasn't the problem. The problem was that after he'd had the boat and put it in the water a number of times, he noticed how great the boat looked, but how bad his old truck looked towing it. So he decided to get a new truck to match his new boat. And that's when they got behind in their finances. So as their debts mounted, well, then he had to pick up a part-time job and soon uh, a weekend job, too, to to keep everything afloat pun intended but to keep everything <laughs> paid for and what happened was is that after a while he was working 12 hour days six sometimes seven days a week and he was so tired that he never even had time to go out skiing on the boat so after some time together and much prayer he decided to sell the boat even though he'd take a loss because that way he could get his contentment and his peace back and have a right relationship with his wife. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money, and you'll be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The Lord says He'll provide for our daily bread. He'll lead us beside quiet streams and green pastures. But if we take on more than what God was willing to provide for us for our own good, we can pierce ourselves with many griefs. 1 Timothy 6.6 also says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Loving money makes us prideful. Loving money makes us dissatisfied. And thirdly, loving money turns us away from God Himself. I mean, if I am prideful, and if I'm constantly chasing more, who has time left for God? One day, a rich young ruler came to see Jesus. This is, uh, we read about this in Matthew 19. And he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, all you have to do is keep the Ten Commandments perfectly. And he listed, you know, don't commit adultery, honor your father and mother, don't lie, don't steal, all these things. And man says, "Oh, well, I haven't done any of those. And then Jesus said, well, if you want to be perfect, then go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the reason why it's so difficult is because, as I just mentioned, if I am constantly dissatisfied and hungry for more, my priorities are all jumbled and they're all backwards. I mean, the biggest commandment that this young ruler was violating was the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods besides me. You worship me alone. And when he had Jesus standing right in front of him saying, come follow me, be with me, he couldn't do it because he couldn't part with his possessions and his money. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, many times I'm asked, well, how do I determine which I love more? I mean, if I was going to, is there a diagnostic that I can perform here, that I can determine how much I love God and how much I love money? And yeah, there actually is. And I hope this is helpful to you, but there are three tests of love If I really love someone, these are three characteristics that are true every time. Um, I'll apply it to my kids, first of all, for instance. Um, Love always serves. When my kids were small, I changed their diapers. As they grew and they got sick, sometimes if they were throwing up in the bathroom, I'm holding their head. If I had to stay up with them all night or stay at a track meet for six hours just to cheer them on for one event at the end of that time, I would do it because love serves. Love also makes sacrifices. I was willing to uh, make sacrifices and drive an older car so that they'd be able to go to college and they'd be able to have a vehicle when they turned 16. I was glad to give them that because I wanted to propel them as high as they could in their education and to give them every benefit I could possibly give them. And thirdly, love endures. If you've ever raised teenagers, you know that at times parents and teenagers, they don't get along. Well, you hang in there anyway. And that's not only true of a relationship with our kids whom we love, it's true of a relationship with a spouse. It's also true of a job that we love. If we have a job that we love, I mean you can talk to anybody who started a company and built it up from scratch. They go had to put in unbelievable hours, but the sacrifices were worth it. And I did whatever job was necessary when we started this restaurant, from washing dishes to busing tables to painting the kitchen to installing a burglar alarm, whatever it took, I was willing to do it. I'll serve in any way. And I was willing to ride things out, even though we had reversals in 2008. We hung in there and we made it. Well, you can understand that. And so the question then is, well, how would that apply to my relationship with God? Well, I'm willing to serve wherever God wants me to serve. I'm willing to make whatever sacrifice he wants me to make. And I'm going to hang in with God, even though he didn't answer my prayers the way I thought he should. Does that describe my relationship with God, that he comes first? In Genesis 29, 20, it describes Jacob's love for his wife, Rachel. He had to work seven years to earn her hand in marriage. And this is what the Bible says. Jacob served those seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his great love for her. Would that describe my relationship with Jesus? I love Jesus more than anything, whatever he asks of me, I want to go there. Whatever sacrifice I need to make, he sacrificed his life for me on the cross, I can't give him enough. Lord, I love you, I just want to be together with you. Well, if, not, if that's not where we are, then that's when we need to do some soul searching and say, God, I don't know how I've gotten so distracted. I don't know why I'm always chasing after more and more stuff. You've given me plenty. And Lord, I don't know why I felt the need to keep up with the Joneses. I don't even know who they are. And so God, would you give me the desire and the power to put you first, to love you with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, with all of who I am? That's where God wants us to be today. Listen to Jeremiah 9, 23. This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise boast in their wisdom, or the strong boast in their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. That's what God wants for us, a relationship with us, and I'd like to pray for us today, and if something that I've talked about today has really piqued your curiosity, well then write me at john at centeringlives.com, or leave a comment if you're watching this on Facebook, leave a comment and say, I'd like to talk to you, Pastor, and I'll reply because I'd love to talk with you about how to follow God with your whole heart and love Him more than anything else. If you have questions about that, man, I would love to address that issue. Right now, I'm going to pray for all of us, though, because we all need to recommit our lives every single day and say, God, today, I want you to come first. Will you pray with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this lesson today. I thank you for your word. It is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, I don't want to love more money more than I love you. Lord, that's just going to make me miserable because there's always somebody who's wealthier. There's always more money to have. There's always nicer stuff. But Lord, if I have you, well, then I have everything. I have eternal life and I have godliness and holiness and contentment and love, and joy, and peace. And oh God, I want you to fill me with these things. Forgive me, Lord, for the times that I have failed to put you first. And Lord, today, I recommit my life to you. I put you first. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayers. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen.